Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Last week and, and then several weeks prior to that, uh, I've been in this series called Signs of Life. And, and, and some of you, we've kind of been in and out. And that's kind of the nature of summer months. We're all vacationing or doing whatever we need to do during the summer. But um, just to recap uh, for a moment, uh, the big idea of, of what we're talking about is it's about partnering with God on spiritual growth, um, that God creates us to flourish, to bear fruit, to develop strength that expresses itself in every season. Psalm 1-3 says, he is like a tree, he meaning the righteous man, the one who is righteous, and we are righteous in Christ. Oh, there goes my water. We are righteous in Christ, and so we can apply ourselves in this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And there is this reality that when we're planted in God, um, that he is after fruitfulness in our lives, and he's determined to grow us up and to mature us. And, and there's a lot of ways that he matures us, and there's a lot of things he takes us through to to show us more about who he is, about who we are in him. And um, and the cool thing is it's never too late to start that process. Uh, I heard somebody say it uh, this way, you know, we're, we're all getting older, right? We're all getting older, but we're not all getting more mature. And maturity is not inherent with just getting older. Some maturity comes with age, but some maturity is about partnering with God on deciding to be mature with him as he is teaching us, right? And the cool thing is, um, you know, just as a seed hits the ground and, and begins to unfold as, as the environment pulls the DNA out of that seed and something cracks open and it becomes everything it was designed to do, it's amazing. I, was, I found out in the last couple of weeks that um, they found some seeds, and I've even heard that they found seeds that were buried with mummies in ancient Egypt that they, after they uncovered and they took the seeds out and they... Uh, put them in the right environment, and those seeds began to grow. I heard, though, that there's other seeds that were tens of thousands of years old. The, the oldest viable seeds were you know, locked up in, in the Ice Age. And for thousands of years, or however, however old, whatever that means, for thousands of years, they sat dormant with all the potential inside of what it could become. And all it took was the right environment. Even thousands of years later, it was able to flourish to be what it was created to be. And the same is true for you today. There is not a too late in the kingdom of God. Can, I just, can we just be reminded in that here today? <laughs> and so you might just be starting the journey, or maybe you've been on the journey but just felt stagnant for some time. Guess what? God is so all about that and about you just taking a step with him, and he is just so delighted in that. And so we're growing with God. He's nourishing us. And so a couple of things that we've talked about. We talked about environments how environments are important for that. We've talked about being rooted in Christ, that the first thing a seed does is it grows down. It establishes a system of roots. Before it grows up, it grows into hiddenness, which is a, a secret life, as you will, and it's, that's in Christ. And everything we do is rooted and established in Jesus. And, and, and you know in seasons of life where you have things stripped away, you become thankful for the places where you know your roots are founded in him, right? And that's where our roots are. They're in Christ. And, and as we develop roots in Christ, in Jesus, 
the natural extension of that is a growth. And all those roots, instead of the roots growing separately out of the ground, those roots forge together and they kind of create a momentum. And the reason that they forge together to create a trunk is because it takes a certain amount of effort to push through the soil. And so it needs all the nutrients possible to push through the dirt to show itself. And, and we know that the roots find themselves bundled together in what we call the trunk. And before they make their way out to the branches, there's the solidarity and the oneness of the trunk. That's what we talked about last week. And, and I believe, uh, it's my opinion that this, in this kind of metaphor that we're talking about the family of God. I believe that, that Jesus, the natural growth process is after he's rooted us in himself, as he lovingly places us in, in, in a deep spirited relationships, which is the people of God. God is coming back for a people. And that's all of us. That's the church universal. That's the body. That's, that's believers everywhere for all of time. And, and surely even this is this fellowship here at Vine Life, we are a microcosm of that. And so, so the trunk of family and God grows us up. We learn to embrace each other. We learn to have really good conflict with each other. We learn to just duke it out, but then hug each other out, right? And, uh, and that's, it's a messy thing. It's a, it's a frustrating thing sometimes, but it is the place of strength, and it is a place of oneness, and it is the place that glorifies God and sends a message to the world that he is good, okay? It's the unity of the saints that speaks louder than even our own personal gifting, and that's why this week I just want to continue the, the whole thing as we grow in our roots, we grow in the trunk, there is the natural outflow, of there's the, the nutrients get absorbed up through that trunk and the natural progression then is we have to start talking about branches. And so when we've looked at John 15, and I encourage you to keep reading that, when Jesus talks and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, we know that even a grapevine, there's a, there's, a, there's a connectivity here. He says, you're connected to me. You're all flowing out from me and, and you are the branches that are going out. And, I, and I've called you to bear fruit. I've appointed you to bear fruit. And so we know that branches are the, the natural outflow of being rooted in Christ, uh, growing in the solidarity of family. And what the branches are, as you and I know, are offshoots of the family of God, offshoots of the trunk. And these things grow out, and, and they grow out in unique ways. They grow out to occupy space, and they're sent out from the trunk. And everything in that trunk, it grows up. And, and the branches are what creates the width. The branches are what creates the covering. The branches are what start to occupy space and start to reach out from the oneness of the trunk. And we have to talk about this because in this particular conversation, you and I are the branches, all right? God has uniquely wired you. God has uniquely created you. He put thought into it. You were an idea in the mind of God before the foundations of the world were laid. Can we just settle that for here for a second? And if you've ever been to a Resound event, that's kind of, um, that's kind of one of the core messages, that, that, that before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And God had this idea, and, and you were an idea in the mind of God. He actually knew everything about that. And then one day when he was creating the world, he decided to open his mouth, and every time God opens his big mouth, things happen. Because when he speaks, things do what he says, right? Life comes into being, and you and I were created with incredible intentionality, incredible thoughtfulness, that we were knit together 
purposefully and wonderfully, fearfully made. And we, we start from this place, and, and this is all an outflow. This is all an outflow of what it means to find ourselves in the family of God, that we, that we find ourselves eventually being pulled into the uniqueness of who we are created to be. And that's what I want to talk about. And I don't, uh, this could be a whole sermon series in itself. I'm only going to talk about a couple things because there's a couple questions I want to answer today. As the, as the branches are essentially sent out from the trunk, I want to talk about what, if you and I are the branches, what are we sent out with? And then the second thing I want to look at is what are we sent out for? And I think this is really good. There's some really good stuff here. And so, there's a lot of ways to talk about how incredibly unique you are. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Okay? Again, he prepared beforehand. We are a workmanship. We are a masterpiece. We are a work of art that God created, and he knows us. And then there's a promise in Jeremiah Twenty-nine, eleven, and a lot of you have this on your coffee mugs at home and on stickers, right? A lot of you have T-shirts and, and inspirational posters in, in your, you know, your home. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And it, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so today we can rest in the fact that we have a God who knows. That he knows our future, and he has plans for that. And I, I don't know about you, but that's, that's something I need to know. Um, my, only, my only strength to smile today is that I have a God that, that knows what tomorrow holds, and what today holds, and what my future holds. And I know that his plan at the end is, is victory in him. Yeah? Are you guys with me here today? And so, so God is ordaining our steps. God knows this, and, and, and you, we, we've, we've heard this message before. We are unique in Him, but I want to take a look at a few very specific things as we get to the New Testament. And the ushers, I think, have a handout here, and I'm going to ask them to, to pass this out. You see, as we go through the New Testament, as the early church starts walking out their new divine mission, their responsibility to go into all of the world, uh, we read in, in three different spots of, of three different sets of gifts that God equips his church with, God equips you and I with, um, for powerful ministry, to display the goodness of God, to display the power of God. And um, I want to just quickly hit a few of these, and I think this is really good for us to look at. Some of you have studied these before, and if not, then this is going to be really helpful for you. And I'll, I'll pick up, uh, I'll, I'll read this first passage um, Romans 12, because this talks more specifically about what we're called into as individuals. Romans 12, verse 3 says this, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And this obviously is 
is another beautiful picture that our meaning comes from the body. There's a reason we're not talking about you as an individual till week four in this series. And it's something we just need to remember that there's so many other things that we talk about and, and the, as branches, the, we don't start from branches and then we figure out how to go. We start with serving the body and knowing what the function of the body is and what, what the function, what, what Jesus' mission is. And then as we root ourselves into that and as we, uh, as we combine with that, then our function comes out to serve the body. This list that we just read that Paul brings in Romans, this has become known as the list of motivational gifts. All right, And this is essentially, um, this is a way we get to know the personality of God. If, if Jesus is, if we're just uh, a function of his body, these are all functions of how Jesus functions, all right? So these are motivational gifts. These are the inward drive. And, and a lot of you guys, if you look through this list, you see yourself pop out of this. Yeah, we talked about serving. You, some of you are servers. Some of you are leaders. Some of you are encouragers. Some of you are comforters, perceivers, or, 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 uh, are prophetic in that way. You're givers. And some of, some of you are teachers. And God has specifically ordained you and given you a specific lens, a specific vantage point from which to grow in and to fill out the tree for the edification of the body. And so we have motivational gifts in this particular list, but the, the whole uniqueness of us doesn't end there because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about a whole other list of gifts. And you have this on the handout in front of you. And we call these the supernatural gifts, all right? These are the gifts that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. These are the gifts that, as God desires that we grow in these, it's to display His power. And so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll read um, just the, the second part of this verse. Now, verse 4, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but from the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but from the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but of the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given. To each is given. Everybody say, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everyone say the common good. This is so good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of the healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of those tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. And we have to understand that it is the desire of God to apportion these gifts out. It's not ju- these, these gifts aren't just reserved for the weirdos, right? They're not reserved for those like, yeah, I'll leave that to them, right? No, no, no. These are apportioned to the body for the edification of the body, which is, which is why Paul and other places say you need to eagerly, eagerly desire the gifts, you know, especially the gift of prophecy, he says. You need to eagerly desire these because these are ways that we are able to demonstrate the love and the power of God in so many ways. And, and there's, um, there's a lot of material, and I'll, I'll reference one in just a bit, where you can learn about these different gifts. But they're, they're, um, apportioned to the church for edification, for building, for strength, all right? Now, there's a third set of gifts, all right? I'm going somewhere with this. There's a third set of gifts that we read about in Ephesians, and we call these ministry gifts, 
okay? Or equipping gifts, we could call them. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's writing, and I'm just going to pick up on verse 11, okay? Because the whole first part, he's talking about unity of the faith, exactly what we were talking about last week. He starts, about, he starts talking about how we've been giving one spirit and one Lord and one faith, and we have to start in that place of solidarity before we start talking about uniqueness. But then he goes in to verse 11, and then he says, And he gave, meaning Jesus, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's kind of a high call right there, uh, the measure, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, that, I mean, it's a pretty heavy language here. But there's a third set we call the equipping gifts here. And when we look at the body, we look at the fellowship, we look at how Jesus takes care of his church and how he calls us to function with one another, that means that we have specific ways that we naturally impart the goodness of God to each other. And these are the equipping gifts. And these are different than the other ones, okay? So we have our motivational gifts, which are kind of our inward drive. It's our lens through which we view the world. When you step into a situation, some of you are going to be serving. Some of you are going to be giving. Some of you are going to be leading. Some of you are going to be uh, exhorting, encouraging, okay? And then you step in that situation, and then the Spirit of God wells up inside of you. And those motivational gifts maybe inform your supernatural gifts. And so you're good leader, but you also have a gift of, of, of healing or a gift of, you know, words of knowledge or words of wisdom. And so those will work together to display the power of God. And then the way that you equip the saints, the way that the people in your circle and maybe even outside of the church in your workplace, the way that you impart what God has given to you is through equipping. And, and I, I do believe that the fivefold ministry graces and giftings are not just meant for the church. They're meant for every facet in every sphere of life, which is why apostles can be considered builders, why prophets can be considered revealers, evangelists can be recruiters, pastors can be connectors, teachers are trainers. And some of you, maybe your calling in that way isn't just in the church, it's in the marketplace environment, it's in the sphere of influence that God has called you to. And he said, listen, I've given you these things for the common good for the common good, to build up everyone that you're with. And in this unique wiring, as your motivational gifts inform your supernatural gifts, and your supernatural gifts affect your equipping gifts, it all comes together along with your history and your experiences and your passions and your delights and your victories and your failures and your pain and your success. All of those form this unbelievably beautiful, unique design that God has prepared for you before the foundations of the world were laid. Do you understand how unique that is? There are so many ways this shows itself. And that's why it's not really an option for us to not explore these things. We do have a responsibility in our growth as we're growing up in Christ into the fullness to explore the depths of, of what God has, has, has instilled and deposited inside of us. Are you guys with me on that? And we have a responsibility to do that for the sake of the world, for the sake of the church, and for the sake of the world. 
And one way you can do this, if you've never, there's a lot of, if you go on Google, you can type in like spiritual gifts profile. There's a lot of free tests. There's one in particular that I just would like to promote and would like to plug. And there's a website called destinyfinder.com, destinyfinder.com. Um, and basically, you can take one free test on there, and for, you can take about five tests, and it's $15, all right? And if you've never used, explored this language about who you are in Christ and what giftings he's given you, this is an incredible website. In fact, there's an accompanying book that goes with it called Destiny Finder. We have it in the bookstore today. I've just read it in the last month, and it's a fantastic book that teaches you to understand just a, a basic framework for what God's put inside of you. Now, what we don't want to do with all these titles and gifts is start to define ourselves by them. Meaning, uh, the church starts getting goofy when we start putting titles on ourselves, right? If I start walking around saying, I'm teacher this, or I'm apostle this, or probably, I, I feel like that's missing the point. What Paul is trying to do, and I think what Jesus is trying to do, is help us to identify what are the unique attributes of how I naturally express Jesus in the church and in the world, okay? Now, it's, we shouldn't be ashamed of the things that he's given to us. We should be confident. But what I'm saying is when we take these profiles, it can very easily, we start thinking each other in categories and we start limiting each other and capping each other off. That is not the heart and that is not God's desire for us. He simply wants us to grow and to explore the deep cosmos within our own heart of what he's deposited for his glory. All right? You guys with me? Now, I'm moving through this stuff pretty fast, which is why I gave you notes there. But there's a second part here. That is what he sends us out with. As branches growing to the fullness of a tree, that is what Jesus sends us out in our uniqueness with. But what does he send us out for? And it's important to see that your uniqueness is not just based on your giftings. It's, it's based on your placement. And what I mean by that is, as you can imagine a tree or a grapevine, as, as the branches begin to spread, each branch is occupying a different space. Each branch has a vantage point of the world that is completely different. Part of what makes you unique is not just your gifting. It's the places where your feet tread. Okay? And here's, here's where I'm going with this. Um, when we start talking about calling... We have this where we start talking about finding God's calling. It's both, uh, it both produces a great amount of purpose and, for some of us, a great amount of anxiety in our lives. And some of you know what that means. When you found a sense of calling in your life, sometimes it's really liberating and freeing to say, wow, this is what God wants me to do. And for some of us, it's incredibly frustrating and it leaves you sleepless at night because I haven't found my calling yet. I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. And I just want to say to you, it's okay to relax, all right? Just relax for a second if that's you. Because I know a lot of people, the whole, the whole thing of calling is very frustrating because they don't know exactly how that's supposed to play out. Listen to me. Before we were called to do anything, we were called in other ways. We were called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light. Okay? We were called to use our freedom to serve. We were called sons and daughters of God. There's a lot of things we're called to, okay? That just relax for a second. You're called, all right? And you're not going to screw it up, Okay? So let yourself off the hook. Now, it's important, though, when we start talking about calling, the first thing that comes to mind for some of us is what I'm supposed to do. But when we look in the Scripture, sometimes calling isn't just about what you're doing. It's about 
where you are and who you've been given to, okay? And let me, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you what I mean. The calling of God is not just what we are to do, but where we are to be. When God calls men and women of Scripture, a lot of times it's not necessarily just to do something. He's calling them to go to a specific land or a specific group of people. He calls Jonah to go back to Nineveh. He calls Moses to go back to Egypt. Um, he calls Jeremiah out. You know, when, when uh, Jesus is talking to the early disciples, he calls them to go out, yes, to make disciples of all nations, but to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. There's another one, though, that's really important. When he talks to Abraham, and he says this in Genesis 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you I will curse, and in, all, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, this is interesting, because God didn't actually call Abraham to do anything. Have you noticed this? He just says, I want you to go to a land and just be blessed there. I want you to go just occupy a space, and I want you to be blessed. No, the land that he's calling him to, the land of Canaan, we know is the promised land. And the people of God, and one of the major themes of the Old Testament, is them being, being driven by God into a land of promise. Now, this land of promise was a place of provision, was a place of rest. Now, when the promised land wasn't a picture of, I want you just to go rule and, 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 and have political power over it. The whole picture of the promised land, when God spoke this to Abram and then generations after Abraham to go to the promised land, the whole point of the promised land was in God's heart, there is a desire for his sons and daughters to occupy specific geographical places to be a conduit of his blessing in those places. Okay? to be a conduit of his blessing in those places. So when they went to the promised land and they got there with Joshua, they looked at the 12 tribes and they said, all right, you, you're going to take, your tribe's going to take this piece of land, you're going to take this piece of land, you're going to take this piece of land. And the whole point of you occupying this land is to be a conduit of God's blessing from heaven to earth in that land. Okay? So, I'm, so God calls Abraham not to do anything, but to just to go be somewhere and be blessed there. Okay, you guys don't have this yet. So, so, what does that mean for us today? I think somebody said it very well. We know that every page of the Bible, Jesus' name is written on. You guys know that. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow pointing to Jesus. So when Jesus, when God is leading his people to the promised land, I, I, I'm not saying that it's not a, a literal geographical place. I do believe that. But I also believe that it was pointing to a place of occupancy that we would find in Christ later. That the promised land was to, was to rep- represent a place of rest, that they would come into abundance. And it was actually pointing to Jesus, that there would come a day where we would find an eternal place of provision and rest as we occupy a place in Jesus, and he occupies a place in us, okay? So we're not working towards the land. Now that land is in us through the kingdom of God. So what God once wanted to establish as a promised land, he has now instilled into a people of promise, which means this. Every place that we go now is marked with the same provision that we are called in our uniqueness and our gifting to go be conduits of blessing every place 
our feet treads. Every place we go. That means that the neighborhood you live in wasn't just because you got a sweet deal on the house. That means that that job that you got that you don't like, possibly, what if in the sovereignty of God, he has appointed you just to go be present in a place, to be a conduit of his blessing, to be fruitful in a place. I don't want you to do anything there. Just go be there because the promised land is inside of you because you are a person of promise in Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go now is blessed and carries peace and rest and abundance and provision because that is the reality of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. So now we're not talking about a specific land. We're talking about every place our feet tread is now the land where people get to experience the goodness and the peace of God. (laughs) We have to change the... Okay, somebody got it. And we're about done here. But we have to continue to change the way we think because this is not often how we think. We think this is the epicenter of what we're doing. And it's not. It's a gathering point. And the gathered church is one facet of the church, but the scattered church is, the, is even more powerful than the gathered church. And I say just as powerful. And a few years ago, we showed this picture and we, as we were talking about our vision for house churches. And, and we do believe that God is wanting to raise up more and uh, to continue to develop pockets of people just to go be present in communities and present in cities and present in neighborhoods. You know, I showed this picture. We, we have one picture of our gathering point here on a Sunday morning. And, and we have it. And there we are, that tiny little red balloon on the map. They're just tucked in the front range between Boulder and Longmont on top of this wheat field here on Lookout Road. And we do have a vantage point, and, and we do have a, an incredible opportunity up here to remind each other of who we are. And we get to gather for worship and gather to pray and gather for encouragement to not forsake the gathering of the saints. But we think about where we go and where we've been placed. It's much more to see also where the land that we've been given to occupy. And we have this other version of this. And this is all of our addresses typed into this same map. And these are the places that we occupy. And I'm wondering here today if we can continue to develop an understanding that maybe God's heart for us here today as branches that grow out and begin to occupy spaces in the land and to reach out, never to overreach their connectivity to the nourishment and to the body, but to reach out into these places and say, I see this and I see this and from my perspective, I see this and through my unique wiring, I think this is possible. And just like Caleb going in the promised land, he spies it out and he says, yeah, there might be giants there, but guess what? I am not afraid. I think we can do this together. Do you know that God, in your unique gifting, is calling you to be a spy for his kingdom? He's given you a place, and he's calling you to spy it out, to leverage your unique vantage point, to be a conduit of his blessing as a person of promise in Jesus Christ. This is an important stage in your growth and in our growth together. We don't just gather We scatter, and we have to let God open our eyes for the vision of what could be out there. The vision of Vine Life Church should not just be a vision for what happens in this room. It's a vision for regional transformation. And the prayer this morning, and my prayer for you, and this is what we're stirring each other up to in this conversation we're going to have for quite a while, is God, would you give us eyes to see 
the people that you've given me to. And some of you have resented the neighborhood or the house that you've lived in and you're missing the point. Some of you have resented your job because you think your calling is somewhere else and maybe it is. Maybe there is a stirring, a deeper something for somewhere else. But any thought that disempowers you from being fully present and fully alive and fully loved and being a conduit of, of blessing fully where you're at is not from God. You are not disempowered in your present state. You are fully empowered wherever you go as a sent one of God. Do you guys know this? The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. And the Father, Son, and the Spirit sent the church. We are the sent people of God. A community of called out ones. And this is what we're calling each other into. And so we ask each other a question. Who have you been a blessing to this week? What conversations have you had this week? Who have you built up? Who have you equipped? Who have you supported? Who have you edified and encouraged? Do you know your gifts? If not, learn them. Because they're gifts given to you. Because he loves you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm done with you. Let's lift our hands in the air with me. Father, we receive today every good and perfect gift that comes from you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the Father of lights. You do not move. You do not change like shifting shadows, but you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are your church. We are your hands and your feet and your fingers and your ankles and your your knees and all the other interesting things that we don't even want to mention in this place, God. I thank you, God, in this place that there is life to be experienced. And I thank you for a vision of your unique wiring, God, and how you've uniquely made us and you've uniquely placed us and sent us as your people, as your sent ones. And we say, yes, Lord, we will follow you. Jesus, we will be your disciples. We will be conduits of blessing. Everywhere we go, we will carry with us the promise of who you are because we are people of your promise, Jesus. We love you in this place, God. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory as we continue to grow up to be the church that you've created us to be. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome.